What is happening, everybody? Welcome to Off the Rails, a recovery podcast dedicated to ending the stigma of addiction through open discussion on all things recovery related. My name is Mark. With me always is Dave. And today we got a very special guest. Um, he's been sober since July 21st, 2010. He's a motivational speaker. And uh, for more information, you can visit him on brentwright.com. Uh, we got Brent Wright today. And uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Brent. Oh, you're very welcome. My pleasure. Yeah, what, what we usually try to do is just have, uh, we have our interviews here and we put them all once a week with uh, with our guests and um, just try to have a, a conversation, have a conversation and hear their stories and hope that, uh, you know, people's stories can help, you know, other people that are maybe struggling uh, or family members that might have someone struggling and um, kind of, you know, help to end the stigma as well around uh, addiction and mental health. So appreciate your time. So Brent, let's get us started, man. Where um where are you from, man? Uh, I'm from Kokomo, Indiana. Okay, good stuff. Born and raised. Uh yes. Yep. Yeah. I I lived in uh Indianapolis for a while. And also I moved out to California for a short time in my twenties. Uh that was a disaster, but that was an addiction. So it's all a disaster then. As you guys know. Absolutely, man. Growing up for you, I guess, man, like what was it's, life it's like growing kinda, up? Um, so I came from a, a good family. Um, basically, my parents, they owned a cleaning business. They were self-employed. Um, you know, I did well in school. Um, I was in sports. You know, I have uh, a brother and two sisters. Um, you know, I had a good childhood, basically. Um, it was, it was fun. You know, we, we had a lot of fun when I was a kid. Um, I grew up in the country, so I was always outside. We had a swimming pool. I played, you know, football and basketball and just ninja out in the woods and whatever, you know, um, if we weren't playing, mom was making us work. So I was always gone outside, mm. you know, so that it was a good childhood. Yeah. What was, uh, what was like school like and, and all that growing up grade school, high school did, uh, what age did you kind of start to get into partying or stuff like that? So the first time I used, I was 13. Um, Basically, my brother gave it to me. He was seven years older than me. And uh, my parents, they we had went on a trip and my dad didn't want to fly home. Like we had a layover and he, he freaked out and he got off the plane and he said he was renting a car and driving all the way from North Carolina to Indiana. And so my mom and my little sister went with him. And my older sister and I jumped on the plane and flew back to Indiana by ourselves. My brother picked us up and, you know, he and I, we went to his house and we took my sister to, to my house. And that was the first night I drank. Um, I drank a pint of 151. I smoked a bunch of weed. I snorted rush. I mean, I did everything I could. And I loved it. You know, I blacked out, um, puked everywhere. 
I mean, it, it scared me pretty good, you know, I, but I, I really loved the buzz, you know, I mean, instantly. And up until that point, I kind of uh, looked at people using dope as losers. I mean, I'm, I just turned 48 years old. So, you know, I, this was like the early nineties when this happened, you know? So, I mean, the drug thing and all that was, was really getting going. And, um, that was kind of the way I looked at it. And all of a sudden I'm doing it. You know what I mean? It just flew out the window. So that was the first time. So from that, like uh, that first um, time, Brent, did you start, uh, you know, you said you kind of mentioned that you like fell in love with it type thing. Did you like continuously want yeah. to be using after that? Um, About six weeks later, you know, I mean, it scared me, you know, cause I was, I was fucked up, excuse my language, but, and, um, I liked it, but I was scared, you know, and I, I didn't, I don't know. I, I craved it though. And me and my buddy about six weeks later, um, I told him, you know, and he's like, Oh yeah, I, I've tried it too. And, and that's kind of all it took. And then I called my brother back and got some more alcohol you know what i mean and and it was kind of off to the races then you know i mean it became more frequent where i started hanging out with my brother more and we'd uh we'd hang out on sundays and i'd smoke weed with him we'd drive around and you know stuff like that so yeah it was it was starting to become more of a regular thing pretty quick now, did other stuff start to uh, kind of fall by the wayside as far as like you said you're active in sports and things like that? Now it just kind of now was more prioritizing hanging out and smoking dope and, and and drinking. Well, I was trying to balance it, you know. I uh, in junior high I was in on the National Honor Society, so I had the grades and I had the sports and I had all that. By the time I was a freshman, I quit. Um, I basically quit wrestling, and I was kind of a two-sport athlete then. Um, I was hanging in there, you know. I mean, it, I, I didn't destroy myself immediately, but it, it was starting to progress, you know what I mean? Um, so my grades were still decent at that point. It wasn't until I was um, about 16 when I got him arrested for the first time, you know, where really my parents kind of found out what I was doing and I got arrested for drinking. Um, and they actually knew the sheriff that arrested me. And, you know, they really didn't have a clue I was doing that at that point. So that was an eye opener for them, you know. You want to talk about that experience? So you're 16 and you got arrested? You said? Yeah, so I was the uh <laughs> I was a defensive football captain. Um <laughs> I was the vice president in my class. My mom made me go for that. I didn't want to. I didn't give a shit about it. What I wanted to do was was party and play, you know? Yeah. And that's what it was. 
but um i won you know and and whatever i mean that was i was trying to kind of play the game you know i was playing the game with my parents because i mean they didn't allow any of this shit i was pulling you know they weren't cool with any of it they didn't do it and uh, they didn't approve i mean i was getting in trouble but the the night i got arrested i was with this chick and um my buddies were with me and they're like, Hey, we need to get out of here. We were at an apartment party. We had just started football camp. Um, it was only a week into it and I was getting blasted, you know, and I, I told them I wasn't going with them. You know, I'm like, leave, I'll, I'll find my way home. You know, I don't give a shit what y'all are doing. And I sent them on their way and she and I drank a fifth, you know, and we got trashed and, and sure enough, I mean, it got the party got loud and it was a small one. <laughs> and um, the police showed up that they're beating on the door and her brother, he was nuts. Um, hell, he got in a fight with one of them, <laughs> a fist fight. I mean, you know, and he was a scrawny little dude and he didn't give a shit either. You know, I mean, and he, he starts fighting the police it allows me to escape outside. I'm outside hiding in the bushes, you know, with like a dumbass, like they can't find me, you know. And uh, sure enough, I sit there for a while and um, I get up, you know, and I'm like, cool, they're gone. I don't see any cops, nothing. So I'm stumbling down the middle of the road and boom, uh, an unmarked sheriff comes flying up on me you know and I, I think i'm gonna fight the guy you know because i didn't know what the hell was going on and um he jumps out and i mean then i knew i was hit you know he was in an uh an unmarked car is what it was and he takes me to jail you know and the other guy so our weight conditioning coach was a sheriff he's sitting in the jail when i get pulled in there you know, and he's just shaking his head like you dumbass, you know what I mean? And and it it went from there. I mean, you know, I had to get up. I got suspended for a couple games. I was the captain. You know, my coach, I have to go to his house. He's like, well, you're going to need to address the team. Yeah, I mean, what do you tell them? You know, hey, I fucked up. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I guess pretty much that's what I did. And how did things change at home after that with your with your parents? Were they kind of trying to keep an eye on you more and more sneaking around or? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they my mom, man, she tried to <laughs> she tried, but I just became better at lying. You know, I, I became a more of a snake, like an asshole, you know, but someone I I just I would stay all night at people's houses you know i mean um i had a buddy his his grandparents he lived with his grandparents and he was hustling them too you know and uh i'd stay i mean i just went other places you know and and when i drank i didn't come home so they didn't know that and then the weed i mean i was using visine cologne you know i mean the gum chewing gum I mean, I smoked cigarettes by then, uh, you know, so, I mean, as far as the smoke, I mean, 
they kind of, I kind of just said, I smoke and you're going to have to deal with that, which they didn't like that, but that's what I did. So yeah, they tried. Didn't work. <laughs> how was, uh, how was the relationship with the football team after that? Um, they didn't give a shit, you know, <laughs> I mean, they more, they were, <laughs> they were more like, man, this sucks that you're not with this, you know, I mean, I was the leader. Yeah. And so when I gave that talk, I mean, half of them were crying, you know, it was real emotional. I mean, it was intense because, you know, they were, they were doing bullshit too. You know, I mean, I was just the one that always got caught. That's how it was, you know, and then their parents, I, I had a black mark on, you know, like I was the bad guy and I was, you know, but so were they, you know, I wasn't the only one doing it. Yeah. So. So what did, uh, what did the end of high school look like for you then? Like end of high school and transitioning out of high school. Oh man, that was a train wreck. So I managed to get into college. I went to ball state in Indiana. Um, that was like a, just a time bomb, you know, it was full freedom and it was balls to the wall. I started out, I tried to go to class, you know, and, and I mean, I, my efforts were there. I just, I like to party more than I like to do anything else, you know? And I mean, hell, I, I got in some fights there. I got called to the Dean's office. Um, I mean, I, I, it just, it, it was a mess, you know? So after the first year, I, um, I just told my parents, I was like, y'all are wasting your money. I'm done. You know, I, it took one year and I was like, I, I'm going to quit. So, you know, I never really wanted to go to school. Um, I was kind of like everybody went, you know, that's what you did. So, um, after that, I went, you know, my mom, she thought that college was, was where it was at. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with college unless you, you know, are absolutely a fuck up like I was, then it wasn't a good thing to do, you know? Um, so I went to community college in Kokomo. Um, and that, that was just something to keep them off my back, you know, at that point. Yeah. At that point, are you still drinking using drugs? Uh, or whatnot? Oh yeah. 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 I, um, I mean, I had at this point taken several hits of acid. I mean, we used to trip on acid. The first time I did that, I was 14. I went to a Motley Crue concert and ate acid and, um, I probably tripped maybe 30 different times, you know, uh, we'd eat acid and drink, you know, and I mean, you could drink like a fish. So I'd drink a fifth of liquor or whatever and not feel it until I'd be throwing up and, you know, blacking out. And as far as, uh, I did cocaine, not a lot of Coke cause it wasn't around, but I mean, I basically do whatever, you know, within minus shooting up, that was my line. No, did you, uh, you graduate from, uh, Kokomo? 
Yeah, I, yeah, I, I graduated from uh, the high school I went to. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh no, the, sorry, the community college after. Well, I went, I went to Ball State for a year, and then I went to a community college for a semester, awesome. and then I, yeah, that's it. I, uh, I actually quit going to class, um, you know, and and I. I actually got a job at a place in the mall in Indianapolis. So I was driving an hour each way and I liked the city life. So I ended up moving to Indianapolis and um, I got arrested the first month I was there. What, uh, what happened there? Yeah. Well, so I was 19 I, this is my fifth arrest. So I didn't tell you about all the others that happened before this. I just told you about the first one. Um, I got arrested that time. I was in a, um, so they had a, a, a place called Union Station and they had a putt-putt course and they sold beer there. And I lived pretty close. I moved to the hood. I really didn't know. You know, I was from a rural town. I moved straight downtown in the hood, you know. And um, so I met the manager of the putt-putt place. I don't know how I met him. Um, I lived there about a month. And he they sold beer there, you know. And he was cool. And so I'm like, hey, man, can you hook me up? And he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll hook you up. So I'd go down there and drink beer with him for free. You know, I, I was underage. It was a, a like a, a rundown mall. You know, it's kind of a shithole. There wasn't a lot of people in the mall. I mean, it was kind of a, as, you know, an, a, a failing mall, you know, and he just happened to do that. So uh, I took some some weed down there and we'd, we'd go into his office and smoke one hitters. And drink beer, you know, and get a buzz on. And um, well, I had some friends come in from town from from college, and we all went down there, and we were getting drunk and getting loud. And the mall police came up, and uh, I mean, they popped us, you know, for underage drinking. Well, I was already on probation from another another charge I had. And so they had me on a 15 day hold in a drunk tank where it was about 90% black. I mean, there was about a hundred inmates. Me talk about some bullshit I was in and I, they had me on a no bond for the first time, you know, every other time I was getting out this time I wasn't. And, um, it was pretty scary, you know? Uh, you could smoke in jail back then and stuff. And, you know, they were stealing cigarettes from my buddies. And, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. So I kind of, you know, <laughs> I kind of separated myself from my buddies because they were all going home. And uh, none of them were really fighters. So, you know, I mean, I did the next best thing and talked some shit about getting the, the couple of the black dudes some weed. You know, I mean, that's how I was going to survive in there. You know what I mean? 
that's just the way it was. But it <laughs> come to find out from my hometown, my parents were friends with the prosecutor of Indianapolis. She was from my hometown and she pulled the file and got me out of it. So I was only in there about 24 hours. You know, I mean, and they had me on a two week hold. So that was great. But, you know, really all that shit really wasn't helping me. It wasn't helping me get clean. It was enabling me to get out of more shit and go deeper. If anyone's reading, you know, watching that, if you're a parent, don't enable them, you know, let them, let them sit there. My dad wanted me the first time I got arrested to sit in jail, you know, and my mom, she didn't, she thought I'd get hurt, you know, well, fuck, I was a lot worse for getting out, you know, than I was whatever would have happened there. So. Brent, at this point, uh, do you like think that you have a problem with, say, alcohol or drugs? Right now? No, not right now. Like when you're at like uh, in jail oh. at that time. Not right now. Oh, when yeah. You're at, when you're in jail. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. Um, for sure. No, I knew I had a problem a lot earlier than that probably i'd say um by the time i was about well i'll tell you a story this is when i really knew so we go on spring break i take a half ounce of weed i hide it in my suitcase and some acid we go to Florida with my parents. I take a buddy. And so we go, we eat a hit of acid when we get there and we start walking and it, we're shopping and we're tripping on acid bad. I mean, we're higher than hell. It starts raining. So we, we head back towards the, the beach, you know, and we pass my resort. And I hear my mom say my name in a way I knew I was in trouble, you know. She said, Brent. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know, you know that. <laughs> she, so I go up to the room. Well, I had a half ounce of weed in my suitcase, but I had a couple of joints and a stone in my drawer. But, well, that's what she found. You know, she found that and she, uh, and I was, I was hiring shit and she's like, what, what is that? You know, what, what's going on? And I'm like, it's the fucking maids, <laughs> you know? I mean, it was the stupidest thing, but that's all I could think at the time. You know, I mean, I, <laughs> I was, I was scared cause I was in big trouble, you know? I mean, I knew I was in huge trouble. And, um, I mean, I just lied, you know, instantly. I mean, I was a, a damn liar all the time. That's what it made me do, you know. But um, so to make a long story short, I got out of that situation. Me and my buddy, we went to the to the ocean. I grabbed that half ounce of weed and I we were like, 
let's throw this weed in the ocean and quit. And I, you know, we sat there and we debated, you know, he was my best friend and, you know, and then I'm like, I don't want to, I want to get high, you know? And he's like, me too. And you know, and we didn't, I mean, I didn't throw it in and I knew I was, I was in trouble. That was a big, big situation, you know, where I knew I was, I was pretty hooked, you know, even then. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, that was the thing. I always had hope that I could get out of it. But every time I would try, I'd last like two hours and I'd be like, fuck it. Let's get a buzz, you know. I mean, that's that's the way it was. Mm-hmm. And then it got worse, lots worse. Yeah. So what happens after uh, the last time you tell us about getting uh, getting arrested there? So now you're 19. What your early 20s start to look like? So I kind of went from job to job, you know. Um, I. <laughs> I got a, a job as a carpet cleaner for a couple of years and I got fired from that because some lady said I hit on her, you know, some housewife. <laughs> I I don't know if I did or didn't. I mean, I might have, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I wouldn't put it past me, you know, I didn't think, you know, I didn't do some bullshit to her if that's what, you know, I don't know what she told them. But I got fired from that job. And um, then I, I I was going to move to Miami. I ran into this uh, dude I grew up uh, that was friends with my brother. That was a train wreck. He stole his mom's Cadillac, and we went to Miami. I about went to jail down there. Um, got about eight sheriffs called on me at a hotel in Miami. Same thing in Vegas. You know, um, I mean, anywhere I went, I brought some bullshit, you know, it was like the police were, were not far, you know, because I, uh, I'm not even touching base on the violence, you know, the alcohol made me fight. I like a lot, you know, I mean, I, I got in a shit pot of fights, bar fights, street fights, didn't matter how big, how many, I, I didn't give a shit. You know, I drank whiskey, and when I got to that point, it was on, you know, and um, that's how it was. Alcohol was terrible for, with me, I mean, because I'm a I'm an all-in guy, you know. If you give me a blunt, I'm going to smoke it till it's done. You give me a fifth, I'm going to drink it till it's gone, you know, or I get locked up or whatever. Um, that's why... I can't do anything, you know, I don't touch anything since July 21st of 2010. I haven't touched a fucking pill, a joint, a hit of whiskey, a a beer, nothing. You know, the only thing I've taken is Advil. That's it. You know, cause that's me. I'm I'm all in or all out. (laughs) So Brent, on July twenty first, what uh, what changed then, man? So that was my twelfth arrest, you know, 
it ain't about the arrest. It ain't about rock bottom. It ain't about shit. It's about the fact that I was pushing death because from the 20s to I was 35 years old, I got into to the pills real heavy. I got into fentanyl. I got into methadone. I got into uh, crack. You know, I mean, he asked me what happened after 19. Well, it got so much worse. Um, you know, I was in a relationship with this woman for about 12 years and we were nuts. You know, I, I didn't marry her, um, but we lived together and, and that was chaos, you know, and she was, she was an alcoholic, you know, um, but so basically I was pushing death, you know, um, I wanted to die, man. I had a seizure when I was 26, um, a grand mal seizure. I, and then, um, I had another seizure about seven months before I got sober. And I told my best friend, I said, let me die. And he's like, I'm going to call the ambulance. I'm like, no, you're not. I will fucking fight you half dead right now if you call the ambulance. I mean, I didn't care. You know, I wanted to die. I hated it. I hated myself. I hated all of it. You know, it wasn't, it was awful. You know, and so I was mixing heavy shit. I, you know, mix fentanyl and zannies and take a hit of crack and fall over and wake up and get another blast to the head. I didn't give a fuck, you know. Um, but I got, um, I got in a, a wreck, and um, I wrecked my parents' car. I didn't have shit, you know. I lived in some crummy apartment. I mean, I had stuff before I lost it all, you know, all that same song and dance as every other idiot that, you know, goes down the, uh, the path of it. I mean, I call myself an idiot. I'm not calling everyone an idiot. You know, I have to, I was the idiot. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's, that's not cool. Cause it's, it's a, a, a terrible, terrible place to live, you know, and um, to be to be completely transparent, um, I wouldn't wish that on my own worst enemy, you know, living like that. But I got in a wreck in the hood. I uh, I was actually heading to the strip club and. Uh, I had been doing uh Kalatapins and drinking straight nasty vodka all day. I slammed into the back of a car. They jumped out and, and I was going to run. I was going to flee the scene. And um, they jumped out. So my natural instinct was to fight. So I jumped out and then just boom, the police were on it, you know, because it was right in the hood. They must have seen it or I don't know and I just put my hands behind my back you know I mean I didn't even <laughs> I knew I was hit so I went and I don't know I was in a few days and um, I got bonded out and as soon as I got out I uh, 
you know, every time I'd be in jail, I'd pray to get sober, you know, and as soon as I'd get out, I'd be like, I, you know, I mean, I was withdrawn every time. So it didn't take long to be like, man, I, you know, I call the dealer or whatever. And um, that's what I did. I called them. I got some pills and I ate them all and um, ate everything I bought, last money I had. I don't know what it was, but uh, the very next morning I woke up and I was like, man, fuck this. I am done. I, I, I'm I'm done. So I drove my parents' wreck car to their house and um, I told them everything I was on and asked them if they'd let me stay there and um, let me fight, you know? And that's exactly what, what happened. Um, I don't know. It wasn't really anything but kind of just uh, so sick and tired. I mean, I've been doing that since I was 13, you know, and it wasn't killing me. And I, I began to fight that day. So what did it look like for you for, uh, you know, for you to get into recovery? Uh, was it just, did you start going to meetings or did you uh, go to rehab or inpatient, outpatient or? So what I did I went to their house, you know, um, and I told them, I, I, you know, I humbled myself like a five-year-old kid. And I was like, hey, I need you to watch me. Don't let me leave. Don't let me out of your sight. I want to get clean and I'm ready to fight, you know, and I meant it. Like, I, I really meant it for the first time. And, and I was completely serious. And um, I'll tell you what saved my life, and it wasn't them. The fifth day I was there, I was really starting to detox, and, and the shit was coming out of me, and I was getting ready to give up. And um, I went out on their deck. They've got some land, and I went outside, and <laughs> I smashed, I smashed their deck. And, you know, I mean, I'm like, I, I can't take it. You know, I was withdrawn so hard and, and I was ready to, to just forget it and leave, just walk out of there. I didn't have a car or anything, you know, because I purposely got all that shit away from me. So I couldn't leave and I was just going to walk. I laid out in their driveway and I prayed for the first time in my life since I really had been high, you know, and running with the devil. And um, I prayed for God to give me strength is exactly what I did. And, and I'll never forget it. And it felt like he was reaching inside of me. And it was like, I got you, you know, um, I don't know. I can't explain it. It's not something, unless you tap into that, I don't know how to explain it. All I know is that saved me that moment in time. And that's why I'm clean today. 
That's, I mean, because what I learned how to do was tap in to God's power when I'm not strong enough to overcome anything. I don't care what it is. So that is my savior. And that's exactly what I do and what I know. So basically after that minute, I went inside and, and I made a, a hungry man TV dinner, a turkey dinner that tasted like shit. But uh, you know what? I was free and I beat that second. And man, I felt different. I felt, I felt like a warrior. You know what I'm saying? Like I felt not defeated. I felt uh, empowered. I felt strong in a weakest way you could ever feel. So I was the yin and yang of hell, but I was sober and I was, I wasn't on other shit. I didn't take anything. I, I start, I was fighting for my life because I'll tell you what, my mom, she'd say, well, let's go to a, a therapist or I'm like, I know what I need to do. It's not use drugs or alcohol. Like it was a simple, to me, a simple formula. And because I was pushing death so hard, I didn't give a shit if going cold turkey killed me or not. You know, this is my own personal journey. I fought it and I was willing to risk death cold turkey because I, I didn't give a shit for one. And for two, I didn't really know what I was doing. And for three, everything I did to push for the past years didn't kill me. So I thought, well, how in the hell is getting off of it going to kill me? So I'm not doing it, you know, and that was my thought. And uh, that's why I, I went cold turkey. And um, it was hell. But I'll tell you what I learned that day was I learned how to fight the cravings and they kept coming. I mean, it, it, they came as much as they came before the, the prayer. But I started praying every time they came, you know, and I was praying all damn day long is what I was doing because they were coming and I was still wanting to get high so bad I could taste it. But I wasn't, you know, Um and that's that's exactly how how it happened. I didn't go back to my house for 40 days. I went home on my 40th day and I was by myself. The, the first time, though, I was truly by myself was about three weeks into it. This is a real um, intense story because this was... Um, Okay, so I'm with my parents, you know, for three solid weeks. I'm not talking to anybody. You know, I feel like shit, but I'm beating drugs. And so that was huge. I was like, I want to go to the bookstore and read something, right? And I had some money, you know, because I, I wasn't doing dope. And I had some money in my pocket and I was reading the healing. It's called Healing the Addicted Brain. And I was sitting in uh, the bookstore at the mall and my phone rings and I answer it. And it's my old pill guy. And he, I'll never forget this. 
He goes, hey, man, I ain't talked to you in a while. I was like, yeah, what's up? Well, I got 10 lore tabs. And I go, fuck you. <laughs> and uh, everybody in the bookstore turned and looked at me. <laughs> you know why, you know? And I hung the phone up, but for one second, you know, I thought, Boy, that, that sounds so good, you know. But I did what I had to do to stay clean. No one would have known. I could have had him come on through. I had the money. You know what I mean? But my reaction was, was intense like that. I mean, but it was cool because I beat that. And that was empowering, you know. Big time. I mean, that was that was awesome. Even though it sucked because I wanted the pills, you know. Shit, I loved, I loved the lower tabs, you know. Mm. But I didn't do them, and that was that was badass, straight up. So when you move back, when you uh, move out of your your parents' place there, so after forty days, yeah. what are your are you praying still all day, every day? The craving still happening like that, or is it kind of? Uh, and how are you able to deal with that on your own? So I got into a. I went back to school. You know, my my mom always thought college was everything, right? Obviously, I take a, an advanced writing course at the local college that I ditched. You know. 15 years prior, I, I, I enrolled in college. I went ahead and I went and just took my charges, you know, my punishment for, for getting arrested, the DUI and, um, you know, um, so I was going to AA, um, through the courts. And that was the first time that I was forcing myself to talk. You know, I never talked at meetings prior to this, not once. I'd say pass and every time I'd be high or, you know, I'll snort some powder or whatever. And uh, but this time I was going once a week, you know, I was doing the court stuff. Um, but I started reading my Bible, you know, like I, and I started writing some shit. Um, I started writing a book called Piece by Piece. I've got it tatted on my arm. Um, you know, I, I start getting some ink and, you know, just some just some small things. Um, like I got my first one at 24 days. With God, all things are possible. You know, uh, Matthew 19, 26. I mean, you know, I, I went that doing that stuff and. I kind of just, I got baptized on my 53rd day. You know, I'd been baptized when I was a kid, but this time I, I did it for me. I just started doing shit that I hadn't done, you know, and I really didn't know what I was doing. Uh, I went to, to college, you know, I felt like a dumbass. I got new threads and my shoes are real clean, you know, and hell, I'm twice as old as the kids, you know, and I feel like an idiot. I'm, I'm withdrawn from dope, you know, and I find out I'm smarter than half of them. They can't spell worth a shit, you know, 
but we get in these classes and I start, I start writing and I get up and I mean, I have to talk, you know, and hell, I didn't want to talk. I mean, I, I just wanted to sit there and just meld into the wall, you know, but I was pushing myself out of my comfort zone doing bullshit I didn't want to do. And that's how I was like, um, really, um, growing, you know, and it was empowering my sobriety and just, um, I was scared of doing it, you know, cause really all I knew was, was the dope game at that point, you know, but, uh, I was like going back into society, even though I was in it, I was in it high and now I'm in it sober and that was weird, but, um, it was cool. You know, I mean, I just kind of laid low and did what I had to do. And I spent a lot of time by myself, you know, but I also, I got into a life group with some church people, you know, and I'd be sitting there in, in the Sunday night life group thinking about the street life and what the fuck I was doing right then, you know, reading Genesis or whatever and thinking, wow, you know, a month ago or whatever, a couple months ago, I was, you know, knocking on death's door and here I am in a life group around all you people that are, you know, never done dope in your life. I mean, I was in, I was thrown into all this shit, you know, and it was weird. I mean, it, it was pushing me in weird places, you know, but they were good for me. Like I knew it was good, you know, so I did it anyway, whether I was having fun or it sucked or whatever, I did it, you know, and I, I was following through for the first time. So that's kind of how I beat that early sobriety stuff, you know, um, stayed busy, you know, I mean, I, I worked and that was tough, you know, and then I just wrote a lot and, and frankly locked myself up. At my at my apartment, you know. Brent, um, you mentioned you were kind of nervous about like talking in class and stuff. How do you go from from that to you know motivational speaking? Okay, <laughs> yeah, right. That's a good question. <laughs> so at 104 days, I gave my first talk at my parents' church. <sighs> Background junior year of high school I get up I'm in a speech class my mom makes me take it this will be good for your future I was nervous I hated public speaking I cussed and sat down that was my first speech yeah I know <laughs> it, I'm like I froze you know like a deer in headlights mm -hmm. I froze I'm like I, I cuss. I sit down and I tell the teacher, flunk me. She was nice. She was like, well, you know, and I'm like, no, I ain't doing it. That was, that was kind of, we went to state and football, you know, we were supposed to speak. I, I mean, I, I hated it. So what happened though, when I got clean, I felt like a miracle was happening in my life. And as much as I hated public speaking, I felt like it was a purpose for God. It wasn't for me, you know, it, it was for God. 
and his power, you know, and it, it was something greater than me. So I said yes to it. And I did it, you know, it was just out of the comfort zone. And then as time went on, um, I started doing more of them, you know, um, I ha I've probably done in my 12 years and several months of sobriety, I'd say around 35 of them, you know, 35 different talks. Um, and they're never easy for me, but I always say yes, you know, because I mean, that's just to me, it's if it helps anybody, that's great. You know, I mean, that's what this is about. It's not about um, anything but paying your gift forward, you know. I mean, to this day, I'll never take, I don't take anything for granted. I don't, uh, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm humbled every day by my sobriety, you know. I mean, which is, is fantastic. I don't disrespect it. I don't, I, you're not going to see me in the news, you know, saying I relapsed or some bullshit. I take this very serious. And the people in my town, they know that when I die, I'm gonna, I'm the man who changed my life. That's me. They know me by the asshole, and they know me by the the guy that changed his life. That's what I'm known for around here, and they respect that. And I take that very serious, you know. So that's why I do it. No, I've kind of noticed you. Uh you know, you challenge yourself with some different things too. So I think I saw something about, um, some MMA you did, was that in recovery or. Yeah. So you just missed I did, the fighting. Was that part of it? Well, I, <laughs> so I was, um, about a year into my sobriety, I, I went back and started training at an MMA gym. Well, because I'm balls out, um, they hired me as a, uh, I was a trainer and I started taking jujitsu. I was teaching a, a cross pit class. Uh, I was taking stand up, you know, and I was just, uh, just letting the beast out, you know, uh, the, the, the rage and the, just everything that comes with addiction, you know, it doesn't, doesn't leave you. Like, you know, I mean, it, the drugs leave you, but you've got to have something to let, let out your stress and everything, you know, and that was it for me. So I was training and, um, I met my wife. Um, so we met at a dinner and about a month after I met her, I'm like, I'm going to fight in the cage. And she's like, what? <laughs> and I thought, you know what? it's time to, to jump into the cage. I was, uh, I was 39 years old and doing my first cage match. So I took a, a 10 week fight camp. It was brutal, but my wife was my nurse. So that was nice. I mean, you know, how black eyes and, and busted ribs and all that shit. And I was all in, you know? So by the time I got to the fight, I killed him. Like I destroyed this guy. Um, <laughs> and um, it was great. Like it was a challenge, you know, that's what it was. It wasn't about, it, it was about people seeing 
hey, this dude has come from this life and it's just setting an example. You know, the shit I was doing all along was setting an example for these people that I was trying to, I guess, lead uh, into a better life, you know, some, some respects, at least show them, hey, you know, you can come out of this shit and you can, you can do other things and live, you know, live a good life. And, um, but it's going to take work and this is work right here, you know? And I mean, that's what I was doing. And, um, so after, after the cage, um, I just build on that, you know, I, I build on the challenges. 2020, I ran my first marathon and I raised $5,000 for an addiction recovery place on my own. You know, uh, I just did Facebook live and ran like a madman, you know, <laughs> and raised money because, you know, there's too many people that are, they're not like, uh, I'm seeing a lot of shit where they're, they're backing off their word or whatever. And that's not me. I, if I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to fucking do it, you know, and I'm going to give it my best shot. So now the one you're doing now, you were doing a, you're doing a 30 minute a day for a year. Yeah. Is that just a, for awareness or anything, or is that just a challenge uh, you just had with somebody or. No, well, that was my, uh, my own idea one day. So we, uh, we, we own a, uh, cleaning business we started it in 2016 my wife and I and and it's it's grown and and all that and so we bought some land and we bought a uh, all it had on it was a horse farm we've got nine and a half acres of land now and we converted the horse barn into a house um but through that time, I quit training, you know, for about six months. And before that, I mean, I did powerlifting. I, I did a powerlifting meet. I got into that. I mean, I've kind of done a lot of different physical challenges. But I was kind of getting fat, you know, and stupid and out of shape and whatever. And I felt that way, you know. And so uh, December 27th of last year, I went back to the gym and a couple of weeks into it, we went on a little, um, oh, uh, an overnight thing at a nice hotel. And I looked in the mirror, I was at their gym and I'm like, man, you're, you're pathetic. You know what I mean? Like I need to step it up. And, uh, so right then, uh, and I had already been training every day. So I'm like, I got a full year's challenge. So I went back to the hotel room. And I told my wife and she just rolled her eyes because she's used to my shit, you know, <laughs> she's like, okay, well, that sounds nuts, but all right, I know you'll do it. Well, here I am 11 months into it and uh, I ain't missed a beat, you know, every day, no matter what I have trained at least 30 minutes. I'm doing a lot of two a days. And honestly, man, it's not about, it's really just about staying mentally focused and just um it's good for you you know it's good to throw some weight around or i do a lot of running you know uh running 
I mean, for me, it clears my head and, and I can let out some shit, you know, like I, you can't outrun, you know, your, <laughs> I bet I'm the madman in the gym some days, you know, but Hey, it's, it, it's cool. I mean, it, whatever floats your boat, you know, whatever you got to do to, to stay sane and, and hopefully uh, keep the stress down. Uh, we started a, a couple other businesses as well this year. So, you know, our, <laughs> it's, it's very uh, busy, you know, I have a very busy life. Um, we don't have kids, we have animals. Um, and then she wants horses and goats and all kinds of shit. You know, I, I'm going to need uh, to hire out somebody to, to feed all the shit because I ain't going to have time, but that's what what's going on, you know? That's awesome, Brent. Um, uh, Brent, before uh, we wrap it up, um, do you have any advice for anyone still out there struggling? Yes. Um, don't wait. Like, just, <laughs> I buried... I buried my best friend in 2020. I mean, I've buried many friends, but you could be next, you know, um, do get help. You know, I mean, there's, there's a lot more places available. Um, and a lot more people are aware of addiction and, and they want to help, you know, and, and I just, I don't want people to just, um, this is my personal opinion. Um, I think you gotta know that it's a hard route. It ain't easy. This ain't, ain't for the weak, but there's, there's a great life outside of it, you know, and you can do it. I'm living proof. You ain't going to go down a rabbit hole deeper than I did and then crawl the hell back out. So if I can do it, you can do it. I mean, I know everybody says that, but that's true. That is so true. But if, if, if they want coddled or thinks it's going to be easy, this is between you and your God or whoever, you know, whatever it's on you. That's it. You know, I mean, you get the best support in the world, but if you're not willing to, to fight, it ain't going to happen for you. You know, you've got to, You've got to be all in, you know, that's my advice. Be all in and uh, challenge yourself, you know, and, and, and stay humble, you know, humble is, is everything, you know, I never feel like, Oh, I I've got it whipped. I don't, I've got the shit buried out in the backyard, you know, deep under the ground and it ain't coming up no matter what. You know, and be proactive. You know, I mean, these challenges I've done, nobody puts a gun to my head and says, go run a marathon. I'm a linebacker, not a marathon runner. <laughs> you know, that's it. But I'm also a guy that knows to push myself, you know, and, and be an example. You know, you don't have to be a, you can be a silent leader or whatever, you know, but those are just things that 
and then just be real be truthful you know keep your word if you say you're gonna do it do it you know don't be bullshit no one respects that and you're not gonna lead anybody by being an asshole or a liar you know be who you are and uh be strong you know but when lean on lean on the support that's good and cut off the rest cut them off i mean i love my my brothers from growing up and i see them in the street and they tell me they're proud of me and we keep moving because you know some of them are still doing the same stuff and and they know but but I, I love them and, you know, it is what it is, man. I don't have anything against them. I love them, but yeah, they're, they're done. So that's all I got. Well, that's good advice. Yeah. Brent, thank you so much hey, for joining us today, man. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, I hope that my cussing wasn't too much, but you know, this, this gets a little crazy. So. Oh, man, it wasn't bad at all. We curse all the time. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is only the second one I've ever done of these, so I don't really know too much about them, but um, hopefully that, you know, I I hope somebody gets some help from it. Yeah. Thank you so much again for joining us and everyone listening. Um, you know, we'll have Brent's website posted in the description below and, uh, Brent, thanks again, man. We appreciate it a bunch. Oh, you're very welcome. No problem. Guys, if you or someone you know is struggling, uh, please reach out and ask for help. Thank you for listening. Bye.